You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Don't get caught in a web of confusion. Learn the ropes on webmasterradio.fm. We're everywhere. Downloading the Cyber Law and Business Report. Only on webmasterradio.fm. All rise. Welcome to the Cyber Law and Business Report. Get the top story on the hot-button Internet legal topics of the day. This is your home for the latest on Internet law and policy. Hear the latest net trends impacting business and have your questions answered right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report. Now, please welcome your host, the founder of the Internet Law Center, Bennett Kelly. Good morning. This is Bennett Kelly with the Internet Law Center broadcasting live today from Long Beach, California, Snoop Dogg's hometown. I'm here for a court hearing later today. But um, we have a great show for you today, so please be seated. We have um, with us acclaimed author, um, Jamie Bartlett. He's the author of The Dark Net, and um, it's been gotten quite a lot of praise. Um, it's been called... The, the must read 2015, an indispensable work of nonfiction, a judgment free look at the mechanics of trolling and other internet bad behavior, and generates more light. And so, um, Jamie, are you with us? Um, I'm here, yeah. Thank you for joining us, Jamie. Now, um, your background is as a, a researcher and a journalist. Um, you're with a group called um, Demos. What, what's, what, is, what are they about? Yeah, that's uh, a UK-based think tank. We're here in London, where I'm calling you from. And uh, all around a center that, that tries to um, sort of com- combine, I suppose, what you might say is computer science and social science. You know, there's all this big data out there now, especially on social media. And what we do at our center is try to work out ways of building software and methods that allows researchers, social scientists, public policy people to, to make sense of all of that. 
So, um, and part of what you do then was is this book, The Dark Net. What what led you to go down this path? Well, I suppose like many uh, many people are increasingly interested in the way that digital life is changing, the way that many of us behave and impacts on society in so many different ways. And what always interested me especially was how people behave differently when they considered themselves to be anonymous or sort of protected by the screen. And I was fascinated by, I suppose, the the, 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 the extreme ends that that could take people, uh, or whether that's the being rude and nasty and bullying towards strangers or downloading things that you shouldn't or getting caught and trapped in uh, in very negative sort of spirals of behavior. Uh, and, and I, like many others, had read uh, occasional accounts of bad things happening on the net, but I always felt a little shortchanged. I always felt that I didn't really understand what was going on and I didn't really understand the people who were part of these digital worlds. So I took it upon myself to try to immerse myself in in a number of those shocking subcultures online for a number of months and then to meet the real world people that were behind the screen and it's called the dark web i think partly because it's this unknown you know secretive part of the web but but isn't the name the dark web somewhat of a pejorative term because of the nature of what is on there well, yeah, you know, my my book, uh, title The Dark Net, I, I mean, I use that term quite loosely because I'm interested in any parts of the internet where people are hiding behind the screen and, and that doesn't need to be in a sort of encrypted, hidden part of the net. That can be on Facebook, sure. uh, forums, blogs, anywhere. Um, but yes, there is a, there is a part of the internet which is uh, which is often referred to as the dark net. Dark meaning uh, obscure, though, rather than necessarily evil, uh, mm-hmm. because it's about an encrypted network of sites, about 30,000 or so, which you access with a special uh, encrypted or anonymous web browser. And there you will find, because it's very hard to censor and very hard to track who's on it, there you will find... Uh, I suppose something like a wild west of the net. And that means that, there, yes, there's a lot of illegality on there. There's illegal pornography and drugs marketplaces and, uh, uh, and, and hacking sites. And, but there's also good things on there that people have reason to stay hidden. Whistleblowing sites, democratic activists, human rights activists that also take advantage of keeping themselves secure and hidden online. So this is always, of course, the double-edged sword of internet anonymity. Uh, it's used for good and for ill. Right. And the many, many used tool. So uh, you usually when you talk, you, you, you grab people in um, by saying the best place to buy good cocaine is where? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get into trouble for that sometimes, but it's, it's true. Um, so <laughs> So in, in one of the chapters, I, I, I bought uh, a small amount of drugs from the uh, from the sort of anonymous darknet market known as Silk Road, the infamous market that was shut down 
18 months ago, two years ago now. Uh, but there's many others like it. There's a sort of uh, a number of these anonymous marketplaces which are on this encrypted network where you use a cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, to purchase them. And, and almost anything, any type of drug is available. Thousands of different products uh, being sold by hundreds of different vendors. But here's the trick. It's a competitive market just like eBay or Amazon with customer reviews and with customer feedback. And, it, and what that means is competition and choice is introduced into the drugs market, which in turn means that, as it always does, price starts going down and quality starts going up. And so as a result of this quite remarkable invention of, a, of an online drugs market, you have on the or you had on the Silk Road cocaine with an average purity well in excess of what you would find on the street, sometimes as high as 70 or even 90 percent compared to an average street purity of cocaine and, and of around two comparable and pricing and pricing and pricing and pricing highly competitive and far cheaper given the quality of the product and you know that creates a bit of a moral dilemma because it makes it's a safer way of taking drugs but it makes them more readily available to more people so i guess where you stand on that sort of depends on your view of the world and one thing that struck me was that when you when you placed your order it was, as you mentioned, you know, like eBay or Amazon, it was no different. You got a thank you for placing the order. How do we do? I mean, you, there was ac- active CRM going on um, in on Silk Road. Yeah, that's exactly right because that's the natural dynamic of a market, of a competitive marketplace, which is that vendors are competing aggressively for your custom, so they're constantly looking for the edge on their competitors. Uh, you had a very slick site with all the the sort of the 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 the, the aspects of e-commerce that you'd expect a, a, a little shopping cart which would show a little icon shopping cart which would show you how many items you've ordered there was even a report this item button if you thought that the vendor was mis-selling or misadvertising their product and you know that's the that's that was the sort of great misunderstanding of the Silk Road. Everyone focused on the clever encryption or the fact that all these illicit drugs were available. What they didn't Mm -hmm. focus on was the fact that this was, in effect, a remarkable achievement. It was a highly competitive and functioning anonymous market. And I sort of often suggest that uh, uh, that Clearnet, ordinary internet e-commerce providers, might want to take a look and could even learn a few things. That's actually where I was. My next question, really, because a lot of times, a lot of the advances in technology, in terms of you know, video and even on the web, were for some of the more you know less desirable, you know, social desirable products, you know, particularly porn. And yeah. um, so, is, is there anything you you think that um, people could gain, you know, online businesses could gain from studying the dark web? Oh, I mean, absolutely. And you're right. I think there's a sort of general rule, which is people on the fringes and people who are uh, often highly motivated for for good or for bad reasons are the ones that are the sort of innovators in in Internet, uh, in the the Internet's evolution. And... um, the, the 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 dark net because it is such an inhospitable place, especially when you're trying to run a market that's completely illegal. They are constantly innovating, constantly trying to come up with ways of evading detection, of being very decentralised, and of being very secure. So, 
they have a number of very interesting multi-signature payment systems that I think other sites might be interested to look at, which offers a high degree of consumer security. Uh, they have some very, very interesting payment systems using cryptocurrencies, which are which include tumbling services. So you essentially can almost launder your Bitcoin when you're purchasing your products to dis to make a disconnection between the user of offline and the user online, all of which is actually pretty secure. So, you know, in terms of internet security, because of where this is taking place, I think that a lot of sites, especially as we hear more and more about computer hacking, might actually think, wow, that's actually the cutting edge. Uh, these anonymous marketplaces, because it's so difficult to operate there, they've had to be very innovative, and uh, particularly on the payment systems. I think that's where some of these other companies might want to might wanna explore. And especially, well, it also sounds like security as well, um, given where we are these days in, in the, the hack of the week club, it seems. Now, um, you know, I, wanna, I know we only have a limited time, so I want to jump through some of the other areas you went through. And um, so one, you know, you, you seem to enjoy talking about was your experience with the webcam girls. And, uh, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> which I, I guess you know, I, can, I can understand that. But, um, but, but, but they were quite entrepreneurial. It seems. Yeah, incredibly so. So webcamming is uh, an enormous community of, of pr- predominantly young women who perform sexually explicit acts at home in front of their computer to a very large online audience who tip, uh, who tip them if they like what they're seeing. Um, and it has become the only part, to my knowledge, the only part of the adult entertainment industry that's actually growing. Um, it's very, very popular. And as you've said, these performers because, again, it's highly competitive, have become sort of very, very impressive entrepreneurs looking for ways to make money, looking for ways to supplement their income, looking for ways to keep the customers happy. Uh, now, again, there's some moral dilemmas there about whether you consider that to be exploitation or not. Most of the performers themselves do not, by the way. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're, they, and it, they are a very impressive bunch, and indeed... Interestingly enough, as I was writing that chapter, they had the website that I was looking at, which was called Chatterbait, had just started to accept Bitcoin uh, because they found that it was a more efficient payment system. So <laughs> there was a, a rather strange overlap between the dark net and the webcamming. It's interesting, yeah, because they were uh, clearly trying to stay on the cutting edge because they, and Bitcoin makes a lot of sense in, the, in these these transactions. <laughs> And um, so you you actually went and observed them. I went to a show in a in a bedroom in uh, in the north of the UK, with three women were performing for for about three hours, and they had five thousand people watching online. I was in the bedroom with them, and it was quite a remarkable performance. I mean, if you any teachers are listening, they will know how difficult it is to keep a class of people entertained for forty five minutes. Well, these three managed to keep everyone entertained for three hours, and it was an interesting mix of sex, uh, socializing, role-playing, games, conversation, the whole lot, if you like. And that's one of the reasons it's become so popular, because it's more than just sex. It's almost like a, a little social, a sort of a social event that people enjoy being part of. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I, I sort of left being extremely impressed by by how they had managed 
to perform for so long and to make so much money, frankly, because each of them walked away with at least six or seven hundred dollars for the three hours. That's pretty good for the three hours. And uh, you, at one point, had a brief moment of fame in that that <laughs> evening. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean that's one way of putting it. But um, one of the things that I one of the things that I, uh, I I sort of noticed was that the performers are always looking for ways of making their shows more interesting. And you would, of course, if you had to perform for three hours. And I was sitting just off camera the whole time for obvious reasons. And we'd kind of agreed beforehand that I would not be appearing on the screen. Uh, now, after about an hour of of them being uh, on 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 air, um, the main performer, her name's Vex. She's one of the UK's best cam girls. Uh, she said she looked at the camera, looked at me, looked at the camera again, and said, "I've got a journalist in the room with me today, everybody." And I'm sort of sitting there shaking my head because I can see where this is going. And she says, "And he has agreed that if you uh, tip us." Two hundred dollars in the next uh, in the next ninety seconds. He'll come onto the screen and say hello. And of course, I hadn't agreed that at all. But everyone tipped because I don't think anybody believed that I was there. And sure enough, the target was was hit. And uh, she came over and dragged me onto the screen, and, uh, and I had to say hello to five thousand people that were watching. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, someone someone very kindly screen grabbed it and sent it to me afterwards so i have a permanent record of that so does that qualify you as a i know that you know, they get you a sag card or a, a bafta card um <laughs> <laughs> i don't know whether yeah I, mean, I don't know whether i qualify for anything as a as a result of that but uh yeah i'm still waiting for the big offers to come in um, well, we're we're very creative as well. We're going to take a, a short break. When we come back, we're just going to have we'll wrap up and, and talk about some of the darker stuff. But um, we just have to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Um, you're listening to Cyber Law and Business Report only on Webmaster Radio. Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Internet Marketing Inc. designs fully integrated digital programs that improve brand experiences and grow businesses through valuable data insights and strategy across all types of media. Paid, owned, and earned. Their digital experts nimbly adapt strategy by providing you a comprehensive view of your brand's online audience and program performance. If you are looking for a data-driven approach to online marketing and advertising, call Internet Marketing Inc. today at 866-563-0620 or visit internetmarketinginc.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit spyfu.com. That's S-P-Y-F-U dot com. And start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics. You know their SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PVC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check Check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. 
The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. Well, that's as close to webcam girls as we get. Those are our commercials. Um, <laughs> now, going to the, the darker side and actually kind of looping up to, I guess, your next project, which is Radicals. Um, you spent time with you know, some radical people on the web, um, hackers and neo-Nazis. Um, yep. you, you also went to uh, the, there's an assassination forum. Um, yep. you, what, 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 what was the most vivid about your experiences there? And, and what do you think people <laughs> should be most aware of from that? Well, it's, it's, I've, I've often tried to think of the sort of single lesson that you, I can take away from meeting the people uh, offline that I'd encountered online, the sort of the, those terrifying individuals, if you like. And the truth is, that I suppose, they're, they're, they're often not how you expect them to be. Um, the neo-Nazis that I spent time with, one in particular, who was very, very sort of virulent and aggressive and quite racist, very racist on the net, offline, was actually a very shy and retiring individual, very friendly, very welcoming, very warm. Um, it was almost as if he'd created an online persona for himself that he, that where he found some meaning and where he often exaggerated what he really felt because he thought he could, uh, he could get away with it. And I suppose it was easier to when he was behind the screen. And, you know, it's a lesson that holds true for many of the other individuals that I've met. You know, once you take away the screen and you meet them in person, you often find that whether it's hackers or even people that have been convicted of possessing illegal pornography, uh, neo-Nazis, uh, even Islamists too, when you meet them in person, they're very rarely quite how you expect them to be. Well, I guess because if you, if you have a two-dimensional view of people, obviously in real life, they're, they're going to have a third dimension. And, um, well, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and actually, when you, I think that sometimes what happens is that when you uh, only encounter people online, there's a lot of commonalities between humans that are, that are missed. And so, you know, this guy, this neo-Nazi in particular, online, all he ever spoke about, tweeted about, Facebook post about, shared videos about, was his radical white supremacy uh, position. Now, when I met him in person... We actually spoke about football results, we spoke about the weather, we spoke about our families, we spoke about all the different things where we could find points of commonality that in a sort of one-dimensional or two-dimensional internet world, uh, they were lost. Uh, and so, you know, in a sense, you almost rehumanize people when you meet them in person and find that they're often not as bad as you think. Uh, of course, there's a danger, and a danger for me, doing this book of going too far in the other direction right. and actually you know, rehumanizing them too much and forgetting that actually they're doing some pretty terrible things as well. And I guess that's the, that's the, that's the, the difficult balance. And, uh, you know, I mean, you conclude your book saying that you kind of thought you'd be able to make some black and white judgments, but you're kind of left with gray. But, you know, at the end of the day, those people are a menace on the web, maybe not in real life, but how most people encounter them, um, they're, they're quite menacing. Yeah, absolutely right. Um, uh, and so, well, that's why it's that's why it's grey uh, because 
for a lot of people, yes, they are menacing when they meet them on the on the web. If they met them not on the web, they'd probably be less menacing. But sometimes as well, you know, the the, the internet's a pretty dangerous place, and you've got to have thick skin to go on there. People will say things that will upset you, offend you, um, and you've almost got to be ready for that because there's access to unlimited information, unlimited ideas, uh, unlimited numbers of people. And, you know, that's, that makes for a turbulent place. And I think it's important that every one of us is prepared for that and has quite thick skin when going into that. And so, in a strange way, some of these bad behaviors as well can serve as a, a sort of uh, a, a way of thickening our skin so we ourselves as individuals are more prepared for what's out there. So you've prior to this book, you you traveled with you know some you know radical radical Islamist groups. Um, you've you've encountered a, a wide spectrum of um, definitely not mainstream individuals in this book. And your next book is going to be radicals. You know what what is it about these elements that that you find particularly attractive, and and the, what do you think you can learn from them? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I am, I'm very interested in the, in the fringes, in the non-mainstream, in, in those considered radical or extreme in society. Uh, partly because I often find them to be quite colourful and interesting individuals of, uh, on their own, and so they present interesting stories. Partly because I think they're often a reflection of, or they're at the extreme end of a spectrum that many of us are on. So they're not entirely different from the, the rest of us from the mainstream. They're just at the, 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 at, the, at the fringe of what many of us feel and do. And, and if you look through the dark net, some of the behaviors there, I think many people will see echoes of their own behavior there, but just in a more extreme form. And I think that can help us understand why we do the things we do. And, um, and finally, you know, ra- ra- today's radicals are tomorrow's uh, political leaders. True. And often those that appear to be radical and crazy at the moment, who's to say in, in 20, 30, 40 years' time they don't actually hold positions of power and the ideas that they put forward are the ones that all of us sign up to. So I like to try to understand whether we can get a glimpse of the future from looking at today's fringes. You know, there's an int- it's interesting you point that out because in, um, in, the early, in the mid-2000s there was a documentary done by Barry Goldwater's granddaughter uh, on Goldwater, and the closing comment was that you know by the time you know when they look at me you know twenty years after I'm gone, they're going to think I was a liberal, uh, and many of his positions by that point had become liberal or at least you know mainstream, and and, was, and even even though he was somewhat demonized as a radical when he ran for president in '64. So it's, it's very, very remarkable. We only have two minutes left. I know you have a hard stop. You know, if people want to learn more about your, your projects and you know, your, your institute, where should they go? Yeah, the best place to go is our, is our website, www.demos.co.uk. Um, there's a, we're, we're a public education charity, uh, uh, which means that all of our publications on, on this and many other sorts of subjects are all available to download for free. So uh, it's an excellent place uh, to find stuff on, on digital culture and society, uh, latest trends in uh, some of the more technical aspects of doing internet-based research that we work on. And you'd also find my profile there. And if anyone's interested in the work in particular that I've done with this book, 
you can sort of follow the links around and you'll you'll get there that way. Great. I want to thank you very much. Now, we're from, I'm calling from Southern California, so have you had any thoughts to actually making a movie out of your experience? I've been thinking, I've, there's been a few offers, and, and you know what, I was, I was there fairly recently on a transhumanist bus. Uh, transhumanists are one of the movements I'm looking at for my next book. These are the people that want to live forever and use cryonics and, uh, and, and, and bionic arms and that kind of thing. And, uh, and, and, and there's this one guy called Zoltan Istvan who is running for president on the transhumanist ticket, promising that if you vote for him, you can live forever. And we, we traveled across California and Nevada on a 40 foot long bus that looked like a coffin to protest about the lack of research in anti-aging technology. Um, and so we might be making that into a documentary, in fact, and uh, I'll probably back, be back over in California to rejoin the bus tour later on in the year. Well, if you do, let me know. I can help you introduce you to people. But um, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I know you have to go. Um, all the you. best to you, and, and good luck on, on this project and your next book, Radicals. Thank you very much. Good to speak to you. Thank you. All right. Cheers. And if you go to our blog, um, cyberlawradio.wordpress.com, there's a profile of him as well as um, some of his TED Talk on this book um, and some more background on both Jamie, the book, its reviews. And uh, it's very fascinating. I think he, he, won, he he's, a very good, he's a great presenter, and you should definitely check out his TED Talks and some of his other talks. You know, he has a good sense of humor about it. And, you know, at this time, it is a very serious topic. And we're talking about an assassination forum where people can, you bet on certain people being assassinated. But it's not just that. There's a, the last part of the, um, the terms are that, you know, it's whether or not you choose to make that happen is up to you. And it seems that, you know, some people do bet on assassinations and then um, carry them out. And so it's, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely is a dark web in, in every sense of the word. Um, and, but it is interesting. I mean, his, his concluding remarks uh, in his book was that he kind of had hoped um, that he thought that coming in, um, he would have some stark, you know, moral um, judgments that would be, um, all very black and white, he says. Um, and he said, well, without exception, you know, that was not the case. I left each subculture more confused and certain than when I entered. Not because everything was pleasing and uplifting. It wasn't, of course, but because it was far more complicated than I anticipated. Where I expected moral certainty, I found ambiguity. And um, you know, whether it's from online drugs or even to the, you know, the Nazis he dealt with, you know, they are you know, allowing them to have a voice is a good thing, except to a certain extent how they carry it out. Um, so it's a, it's a worthwhile book. And um, I'm be curious to see this um, Zoltan and um, Brass. I don't know if, you, if you're on, but uh, isn't Zoltan? Isn't that the the character from Big? You know, yeah, the machine. That's the machine he, he, he that makes a, Tom Hanks turn into an adult, right? Yeah, it's Zoltan, isn't it? Or Zoltar? Oh, Zoltar. Oh, okay. Because that would be kind of fitting if it's <laughs> you know the, the the two are one and the same. But yeah, it's definitely a worth worthwhile read. Um, we do have some news updates. And um, a couple of them quite big. The first is that we've had uh, on our show um, several discussions about the Trans-Pacific 
partnership agreement and which is a uh, trade agreement involving some 12 nations from Canada, United States, Mexico, Japan, Singapore, Malaysia, and uh, a few other powers, Chile. And, and what it will do is um, create an, uh, an economic trade zone for about one-fifth of the world's GDP. And we had on our show earlier um, Tammy um, Overby from the um, Chamber of Commerce and spoke about how this was an important agreement because if we didn't do it, we would be excluded from this region. And if we didn't do it, it was a possibility China might do it and you know set up something that was um, more favorable to them. And so this is allowing us to be more competitive. Uh, the argument goes, you know, it reduces tariffs on a lot of our goods and uh, in, in improves trade conditions um, with all those countries in, in the greater Pacific. Now, it's also subject to a lot of criticism over its provision, provisions dealing with certain intellectual property rights and intellectual property enforcement. Um, and that is where the sticking point is going to be. Um, there still is considerable opposition, but the White House has really tried to step up its campaign on this, and it has um, launched a website on the camp on the treaty. It has um, put a couple of videos out explaining why this is all good and fine and a good advance. And um, by and large, the business community is behind it. But there are those who think this could be a great danger to the Internet. There are those who think this could be a great danger to free speech and even democracy. And so we're going to have those voices aired on this show. Um, but it is a, a, it's a very important debate that we're, we're going to have. We're trying to get one of the leading um, opponents of the bill since we've, you know, the Chamber of Commerce spoke to it at length. We want to do the same, uh, let the other side you know, present their case so that you can make an informed decision. It's a, it's a, it is the biggest trade agreement we've had since NAFTA. And NAFTA, you know, which was done in the 1990s, it remain, you know, early in the Bill Clinton's first term, it remains controversial still. And so um, if NAFTA is conf- you know, that controversial all these years later, um, you know, clearly you know, this is a big deal. And uh, you, know, you don't have anything of that magnitude quite very often. And um, one country not included in the deal is um, South Korea because we already have a free trade agreement with South Korea. Um, so in any event, the other big news, however, is that the European Court of Justice, the High Court of the European Union, has struck down the e- EU-US um, privacy safe harbor. And what that meant was there was a EU law only allows um, data to be shared with companies, with states that follow um, or have as equal to um, stringently uh, EU data protection and privacy standards. And when this first was implemented in the early days of the Internet, an agreement was reached with the U.S. that... um, as long as if you adhere to principles enumerated by what was called the, the safe harbor and you regularly certify to the U.S. Department of Commerce that you comply and um, 
you know, there's some kind of enforcement mechanism should you not, you know, that was sufficient. And so what happened, even though a lot of people complied and may have falsely um, you know, made that certification and the FTC actually went after some people um, because of that. But what happened was it goes back to a, a single individual, who, uh, this lawyer from Austria, who um, did a study abroad in the U.S. for a year at Santa Clara um, University School of Law. And uh, there was a speaker from Facebook, and he grilled the speaker on European data law, data privacy law, and was shocked at how unfamiliar he was. And so that put him on a mission. And so when he got back to Austria, he actually requested his entire file from Facebook, which he was entitled to under European law. And so he he got over a thousand pages of information from Facebook, which he you know, he redacted and then made public just to show the breadth of the information that Facebook collects on people. And from there, after WikiLeaks revealed um, and Snowden revealed all the things going on with the NSA and PRISM and all these you know, snooping and all the um, surveillance state news stories that have been coming out of the, the U.S. last year or two, um, he used that as a pressure point and he filed a complaint with the appropriate regulatory authorities since um, Facebook is um, the, the European headquarters is in Ireland. It was the Ireland um, Privacy Commissioner. And the, the Irish authorities said, well, the EU has already determined that because we have the safe harbor program that they have sufficient protections for privacy um, by definition, since you know our safe harbor determines that is as equivalent, as good as. And um, it went up to the European court, you know, um, High Court, and they said no. They said that, one, that this is a fundamental right, the ability to protect your privacy, the ability to protect your ability, what, is, what information is shared, is a fundamental right. And with that fundamental right comes the right to have that enforced if it is not honored. And so uh, because of that and because the safe harbor um, does not necessarily afford that right, um, what they have done is to invalidate the whole safe harbor program. And so that is going to raise a number of issues for companies doing business in Europe. Um, you're going to have to um, somehow figure out how you're going to get data transferred from um, Europe to the U.S. And a part of that is, you know, you can get consent, but you have to track that consent and it has to be clear and, you know, there's certain onerous obligations to that. And um, there's also certain, you, know, you can do it by contract and there actually are some pre-approved language you can use. But it does, you know, and it comes at a time that we were in the process of renegotiating the safe harbor anyway. And so it, it comes at a very delicate time and throws a lot of things up in the air at once. Um, now, some are really criticizing the decision, um, but we're going to take a short break and we'll come back and talk more about the decision and what are some of the critics of it are saying um, after these messages. You're listening to Cyberlaw and Business Report only on webmasterradio.fm. 
Stay tuned for more of the Cyber Law and Business Report after this brief recess for our sponsors. Johnson, what's this mantis I keep hearing about? Do we need to call an exterminator? No, sir. Moby Mantis is our new SMS marketing tool. SM what? SMS. Text messaging. Moby Mantis lets us communicate directly with our customers in real time. We can send promos, coupons. It even lets our customers market for us by sharing offers with their friends online. It's been great for business. Hmm. Sounds expensive. Actually, I sign us up for an extended free trial. It hasn't cost us a dime. Good work, Johnson. I guess the only thing we'll be exterminating is the competition. To get your free extended trial of Moby Mantis, text RADIO to 21691. That's RADIO to 21691 for Moby Mantis. Finding links to improve your rankings in the search engines is time-consuming and frustrating for many of us. The Hoth is the go-to company to help lighten your link-building load. Their white-label SEO was made specifically for agencies, in-house SEOs, and affiliates. The Hoth also offers high-quality custom local citation building to improve search rankings in Google's Maps and localized results, providing fulfillment for some of the largest SEO companies in the world. The Hoth offers link and citation building services you can trust. Get $20 in link building or citation building credits free by going to thehoth.com slash radio, T-H-E-H-O-T-H dot com slash radio. Introducing Rumble, the smart mobile management system, the first end-to-end mobile platform where you can make real-time app modifications from a point-and-click dashboard. Want to change the design of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the ad map of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Want to change the content mix of your app? Point-click, and it's live in real-time. Power your mobile business with Rumble. Are you ready to rumble? Visit www.rumble.me. The best gavel-to-gavel legal news and information on the net is right here. This is the Cyber Law and Business Report, only on webmasterradio.fm. And we're back, and um, we're talking about the EU decision on the European, um, U.S. European safe harbor. And um, as I explained, that they basically what the court said was European Union citizens have a fundamental right to respect for private life and any legislation that limits their ability to pursue legal remedies compromises the essence of that fundamental right to effective judicial protection. So what this means is that the Facebook investigation um, in Ireland will now proceed. But there have been some criticism about this decision and its reliance so much on the whole Snowden uh, affair in that it overlooks the fact that, yes, I mean, these, these things are, are true. But it overlooks the fact that there have been a lot of measures taken since then to try to address that. Um, you know, I'm not saying we're all the way there and it's still a number of things that are very troubling, but that it, it, it took a, a view locked in, um, several years ago and didn't really, wasn't a very nuanced view in terms of where we are today. And so maybe that's what, you know, the Irish investigators will do. But, you know, it has been criticized. And as I mentioned, you know, there are ongoing negotiations with the European Union over privacy. And this has been, you know, coming up as soon as this whole issue broke. You know, there were people calling for withdrawal from the EU safe harbor, you know, based on that alone. And we had, as you may recall, Dan Castro was on. 
uh, right at the time this this was breaking. And you know, his organization actually did a study that showed you know that cloud computing providers were um, losing about twenty percent of the market in in Europe right away based on this alone. And uh, you know there are serious repercussions to the NSA scandal that I, I don't think are fully appreciated by. Um, those in, in the NSA or at least in the intelligence community and, and even beyond that this is, you know, harming us on a competitive level. And, you know, and also some of the things they're doing are, are, are harmful long term. I mean, allowing backdoors into software, for example, is now, uh, now hackers are looking for backdoors since they know that that's an area they can exploit. I mean, there's it, there's been a lot. You know, the rule number one, I would think, in any intelligence agency is to do no harm. I mean, you're you're there to try to get information and try to advance your cause, and you're you're not supposed to let the other team score points on you, and and that's really what's happening. Um, you know, the our, the NSA has become a tool, rightfully or wrongfully, for one European regulators to reassert themselves in this space, but also for European companies to try to distinguish themselves from Americans saying, hey, you know, these guys talk about privacy, you know, that's good and fine, and, and they're really good at it. But, you know, we actually do it. And um, and so that is a problem. You know, the how, how do we continue to maintain our competitive posture there, given that that's a huge handicap? And so I, I think that's something that we were going to see hopefully come up in the debate you know, this nuance that, you know, this is not, you know, granted, national security is a very serious topic, you know, but so is economic security. And if they are costing us jobs and, you know, billions of dollars, then that's something we really, we should really should take into account. One other development um, I want to highlight that happened this week, and it, it, was, it was a trifecta of where somehow social media was able you know, the, the outcry of social media was able to get things right. And so the, the first was this app called Peoples. And basically it was going to create a as they mark described it, a Yelp for people where you know I could rate Brasco or anyone could rate Brasco, anyone could rate me or anyone you know, um, you, your boyfriend, your, your your spouse, you know, whoever, um, for anything. And that um, you know, they thought this would be useful for somehow. And as John Oliver so brilliantly pointed out in his rant on this, you know, it just ignores the fact that, as you know, we, we talked about a little bit with, with Jamie, that you know, so much of the Internet is, is for sole purposes of people just screaming at each other. And so here you create a perfect form and a perfect way for people to scream at each other and you know, more or less damage each other's reputation. Um, you know, I don't see the social utility of this tool, and I just saw it as being another avenue, another device for cyber harassment. And um, you know, and also, <laughs> John, if you haven't seen John Oliver's uh, you know, rant on this on YouTube, it's quite inventive. And he actually created a, a, a competing app called Mario Van Peebles, in which he had the actor director <laughs> Mario just rate random people, including himself. Um, which was was kind of a, a good for chuckles. Um, another area where this proved effective was in Texas, and Texas is obviously a very conservative state, and and become very 
very much a, a conservative activist state. And they've gone, they've, lately they've been trying to, they've politicized really the textbook process. And they want textbooks to reflect their view of American history, um, regardless of what the facts may be. And in part of that, um, the, the current textbooks that have been recently approved um, downplay the role of slavery. And one mother saw that her, you know, she got a text from her son while he was in school. And his textbook had a diagram that showed that slaves were being brought to um, the United States as workers, not as slaves, but as workers. You know, they were just, and like any other kind of immigrants, um, they were brought here to work. And it, you know, that kind of glossing over what really happened shocked her. And she put it on Facebook. It went viral so much so that the publisher has since has now apologized. They said they're going to correct it and they're not releasing the other versions that were supposed to be ruled out right around this time uh, until these things are corrected. And, um, you know, getting slavery wrong is troubling because no issue has been more vexing for our history than the slavery. And to get it wrong and is basically to deny Texas students any understanding, really, of American history. And so it, it's not something you can gloss over. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, um, Greek and Greece and Troy, not Athens and Troy, not you know, discussing the, the, the longstanding rivalry um, or, you know, any other you know, culture where one issue has been dominant for so long. And so you know, that's just a disgrace. And, you know, shame on Texas for doing this. Shame, but more importantly, shame on the publisher for, you know, chasing the money and actually publishing this garbage. Now, the, the last um, of the trifecta was some w- worker, uh, uh, a Caucasian worker in a, a company in the South who, um, I believe it's the South, published a photo of one of his co-workers, an African-American woman's child. Um, and he actually has this gang of uh, largely racist trolls. And they went up and they just trolled on this kid's picture and said some pretty vile things, and then he even chimed in. Well, apparently some of them now have been fired um, in, in the various jobs they've had, and they've come forward and tried to apologize and say they're not racist, and they weren't aware of how hurtful and stupid what they said. Um, but, I mean, but now they do, I, I would hope. But um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see that, you know, and particularly in light of talking to Jamie, you know, we, we, we deal with these people. And, you know, they, they harass and these trolls, they bully. But when enough, you know, if things get viral and enough people respond, that sometimes we get it right. Sometimes it's not the wild, wild west. Sometimes law and order does apply. And, uh, you know, those are just three examples where it looks like we did get it right. And um, that's a pretty big deal these days on the web. But, you know, there's so much going on. And I think it, it's good to see. I, I, again, I always applaud John Oliver. He's been, you know, the patron saint of the internet. He's not even dead, but um, he's done a great job. So um, I also want to thank our producer, Brasco, because he's done a great job. But next week, we'll be back here for another edition of Cyber Law and Business Report. I'm here in the city of Long Beach for a hearing 
Uh, it's before an employment board here. But if you're not familiar with Long Beach, it is home to the Queen Mary. Um, it's, it's been dry docked here. Also home to the uh, Marina Pacific. And it, it was the home to the Long Beach Grand Prix, and which is kind of fun if you um, drive on the, the – you get to drive on the course and it's a freeway. Uh, and uh, at least a couple of days before, right up to it. Um, so, but next week, we're going to have Rebecca Hecock Jones with the Berkman Center for Internet Society. They have a new tool that kind of monitors what the state of the net is in real time. And we're going to talk about that. And uh, so maybe she can tell us in real time whether it is the Wild Wild West or not. But um, that's all we have for now. I want to thank you for joining us. Be sure to go to our blog at cyberlawradio.wordpress.com and check out the profile of um, Jamie. I want to thank him again. He's, he's just a really interesting guy. Great work on this book. And I look forward to um, you know, following him as this progresses. Um, secondly, um, check out the Internet Law Center. We are a full-service Internet law firm. And we've been very busy lately, and uh, we, we've been in all aspects of the internet, from online marketing to you know, dealing with some of this dark stuff in the, our cyber harassment practice. So check us out at internetlawcenter.net. Follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're at CyberLawRadio. Um, and tell us what you think. Um, we'd love to you know, engage you. And if you think something you want to hear, we'll see what we can do. But that's about it. Um, again, thanks to everyone. Thanks to Brasco. Have a great week and be safe. We'll be back here next week with another edition of Cyber Law and Business Report. This is Bennett Kelly broadcasting live from Long Beach, California. Have a great week. This has been a presentation of WebmasterRadio.fm, the world's largest business-to-business radio and podcast network. We welcome you to sample past episodes of this program, as well as our complete library of programs, on demand or on the air via our 24-7 live audio stream at www.WebmasterRadio.fm. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of WebmasterRadio.fm's management or sponsors. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without authorized consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.